Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, trying to stay dry. It's been uh, crazy, yeah. nonstop rain for the past few days, which is bad time. My poor, well, my dog's okay. Okay. She, you know, she has a, uh, she has a bum foot to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she got an infection in her bum foot. And now she's got a little uh, bandage on it, which we have to keep dry. So now when I oh, take yeah. her out. Uh, put a bag around to, it? To, yeah, I have to put a little plastic, tie a little oh, plastic bag around her leg. It's very cute. That's the cutest thing I've um, ever heard, and yet still kind of sad. Uh, yeah, so um, that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> what's going on with you? Oh, not much. <laughs> right, Eeyore? <laughs> Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I mentioned in the uh, movie journal, um, I am putting out a new book called Cinematic Suffering. Uh, I plan on uh, having it published in April. It's going to be self-published, not real published, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, listeners, this is uh, this is this is for you, though. I'm not just letting you know that this is coming. Uh, you can have you can be a part of it. Uh, so if you go to morethanonelesson.com and click on the ad that says cinematic suffering on the uh, right hand side, uh, you can pre-order the book for twenty dollars. That gets you uh, into the special thanks section of the book. And it gets then you the book. It gets the book uh, and it will be signed by me. Oh, by you. So. Yeah, I guess I probably it's, you know, I'll be signed by kind of who wouldn't. Oh, that'd be fun. Just have it be signed by anyone I happen to know at any given point. Um, I mean, we should get like you should get uh, Paul Walter Hauser to sign a bunch of copies. <laughs> he, he did. Uh, he did offer to uh, uh, speak it. I was uh, sorry. Uh, Actor Paul Walter Hauser is directing a short film and he needed a place to shoot it. And so he's shooting it at my house for the next several days. And so I've been talking with him quite a bit lately. Uh, and he said, he goes, Hey, do you, I've always wanted to come, come and like talk to a class. And I was like, well, I do. I'm going to have a week on, uh, acting. We could watch mm-hmm. I, Tanya and then, uh, have you, uh, talk about that experience. And so like, I'm really excited to do that. That's so awesome. I do think, <laughs> I mean, the book would certainly become worth more if he signed it as opposed to me. So yeah, I'll think about, I'll think about it. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, listeners, um, uh, and, and if you are interested uh, in this, please do it as soon as possible, just so that I know that I have the, uh, the proper amount of money to actually publish this thing. That's at more than one More than one lesson.com. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, wanted to put that out there, but there's also a lot of stuff happening at Battleship Pretension. It's very exciting. You know, it's don't, I mean, more than one lesson obviously is a hub of activity right now uh, with that one thing I just t- I talked about. But uh, Battleship Pretension, it is our end of the year coverage. Um, so that means along with Scott's top 10 episode, he also posted, uh, it, you know, he wrote an article about his top 10. Rudy wrote about his top 10. Uh, I know that Aaron is, is, coming. is coming up. We've got a bunch um, more. The BP nominees have been posted. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I didn't get your take on it. Um, there were a couple surprises in there. Uh, a lot of it is what one would expect, but, uh, no, there were some, some, some pleasant surprises yeah. uh, as well. Although I'm forgetting what they are now, which is why I'm pulling it up. Well, there's okay. So I have not seen private life. 
but it is up for two BPs for best actor for Paul Giamatti and best screenplay. Um, and that's a movie that really hasn't gotten much play as far as awards, uh, elsewhere in the supporting actor category. Uh, I thought I was going to be the only one that submitted Jesse Plemons for game night. (laughs) I was not. Um, And so I'm very excited that he is included. Oh, and then supporting actress Mm. Miranda July is nominated for a BD for Madeline's Madeline, which I'm very excited about. And uh, Cynthia uh, Arrivo, if that's how you say it. Um, For for bad times, not for widows. Right. Yes. She's fine in widows, but she is doing some, (laughs) she's doing some great work in bad times at the El Royale. And then annihilation, leave no trace for adapted screenplay. That's great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some good, I think some good scores in there as well. And as always, the, uh, the selection for the Bruce McGill and the insider award for best performance under 15 minutes is a lot of fun. Um, I know that Scott, uh, has been frustrated by that category in the past because it often just features name actors in, you know, small roles. Um, but uh and this year you know you've got jack black and matt damon but you do have some nice character actors as well including steven root um for also i wanted to mention john mcenroe in the realm of perfection is nominated Mm -hmm. for best documentary which it should be in every awards uh this time of year right uh, right now um but i did worry i guess i'm going to say it now for the best performance under 15 minutes Mm -hmm. is the did we spoil Unsane for some people by nominating Matt Damon? I guess so. He's un- I, completely uncredited in the movie. When I saw the press screening, no one knew that he was in it. I kept it secret that. in the in the review. Here's the thing: you can just kind of always assume that he'll show oh, up in any movie. Do you know, I have whether it be uh, what is it? Uh, Finding Forrester. Hold on, or there, Interstellar. I gotta tell you, because I don't know if you've looked at my. Um, letterbox profile I but i not. have a running list called surprise matt damon oh fun okay um, what do we and got? it has 12 films on it okay what do that's we got? how much she does this um euro trip is one right uh, yeah that's one i haven't seen so you've got chasing amy fighting mm-hmm. forester james james have strike back okay confessions of a dangerous uh, or sorry, um, uh confessions of a dangerous mind okay um euro trip mm-hmm. jersey girl um, youth without youth, which I haven't actually seen, but people tell me, okay. uh, same with Che. I haven't okay. seen it, but people tell me, uh, inner space, that's inner space, uh, interstellar. <laughs> yeah. Inner space is a good movie. That's the difference. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, yeah. unsane and Deadpool two in which he's in such heavy makeup. That that's right. Mo- I didn't, even, I didn't even people recognize who saw it. the movie. Didn't know he was in it. Apparently. Yeah. I didn't recognize. So it. yeah, the, uh, this is a th- clearly a thing that he likes to do is to show up unannounced in movies and you, an you haven't seen thing. unsane no i haven't i wanted to it so his character is introduced it's like you hear him before you see him and i'm like ah oh there he is <laughs> it's like oh another one for the list <laughs> yeah exactly um, so uh yeah so, so the yeah. bp's nominations are up i'm very yeah i'm very excited about that um but i i did want to mention uh, another feature it's relatively new um, we don't have a whole lot of video content on our site, but I do like some of the stuff that we do have, including it's several months old now, but my uh, Jurassic World video essay. Um, but uh, Alexander Miller, who uh, <laughs> you might know from his Criterion Prediction column, yeah, uh, has one of our... <laughs> most consistent contributors to that's the website. definitely true yeah um but he uh he put out an idea that i kind of adore and he's and he's he's put out a few episodes of this um 
you, I don't think David, I don't think you spend a lot of time on YouTube. Do you? I really don't. Okay. Um, I, I think because of the job that I used to have, and obviously I've got this commute, so why not have something? I, why not watch something? Yeah. While you're driving driving 75 miles an hour. (laughs) Oh, in the rain today, by the way. Um, and, uh, and yeah, in the world of like YouTube film criticism, that to my knowledge, there is no such thing as film YouTube, but, uh, the idea of trailer reactions is a big deal. Um, for Tyler's takes, I've occasionally uh, written something that is a reaction, but uh, people like to film themselves reacting to new trailers. Yeah. Um, and in other cases, it's just them commenting on the trailer. Uh, Alex decided to go full BP mm-hmm. and do a version of that, but <laughs> he was going to do it with trailers. For movies that came out decades ago and that nobody cares about, but for movies that are infinitely more interesting right. than the movies that are being released, uh, the big blockbusters that are coming out right now. So, uh, so yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, it, again, it's a it's a concept I can really get behind. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you go to battleshippretension.com and click on video, you can find. I think he's done four of them so far, but uh, but yeah, so check those out and thank you very much, Alex, for thinking yes. outside the box. Yeah, we love those. Um, sorry, I'm on my. Letter back looking at my list and i realized i made another silly list that okay. has exactly two entries on it all right it's a list called dog themed ensemble romantic comedies directed by alt comedy icons <laughs> it features dog park directed by bruce mccullough right and dog days directed by ken marino okay what about who directed year of the dog um but that's not a romantic comedy it's not a romantic oh i thought it was definitely okay. not all right yeah, um, that's Mike White. I don't think I would call him um, an alt comedy icon. Hmm. I, uh, I, mean, I, guess, I think I guess him as w- like a comic auteur, but he didn't come from that world. You know I guess I, mean? I, I guess if we're looking at alt comedy as like sketch or stand up or something, yeah. or improv or something like that, like he started as a writer director. But I mean. As far as like an alt comic comic uh, sensibility, yeah, uh, I'm no, sure. Chuck and Buck is is right yeah. there. It's dark as hell, but also very funny. But, but guess, yeah, it's I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going into very few people are probably going into a career in comedy because they were inspired by Mike White. Do you know what I mean? Like they might go into a career in writing and directing, but I sure. don't, you know what I'm saying? That's yes, where I draw. That's true. The, the, I see what you mean. Yeah. All right. Um, we, we've been silly enough. And let's not forget. He's also, uh, a fairly successful survivor player. That's true. So, um, and, a slightly less successful two time loser <laughs> in amazing race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, moving on, we'll just, uh, go ahead and jump into our ads before we get into the topic proper. Yeah. We advertised, we pushed our product. Yeah. Now we push the product of the people who pay us to push it. Exactly. Then we'll talk about the things you want to hear about. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't frame that well at all. Our <laughs> advertisers can't be happy with that. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by the Dice Enthusiast Presents Podcast, a new series based around a board game that four roommates played for the entirety of 2017. During that year, they were faced with pl- problems like uh, drug dealers uh, moving in with them, mental breakdowns, infidelity, and a suicide attempt. So some pretty dark stuff. Uh, it is a surprisingly personal podcast. Dice Enthusiast Presents is a prime example of life happening while you're making other plans or 
trying to play a game. So just go to DiceEnthusiast.com or click on the ad at BattleshipPretension.com to listen. This episode is also brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $8.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Currently available on Mubi are a couple of visual marvels. I've seen one of them, but not both. Uh, uh, I'm always a little iffy on the pronunciation. Gaspar no or noe i don't know yeah noe i I think sounds i had a friend named nate noe so i'm choosing and it's spelled the same so i'm going to say it like that gaspar noe's enter the void and nicholas winding reffin's valhalla rising which i have seen um by and large i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a huge fan of nicholas winding reffin but um to me one thing that even even stuff like uh only God forgives and, and drive. I don't find them to be tremendously narrative, uh, like narratively satisfying, but, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, visually they're very ambitious and really gorgeous and Valhalla rising. It's, it, it's all the refin checkpoints. Uh, it is visually very striking, a really wonderful use of color and horrendously violent and gory. Um, I've not seen enter the void. I've heard nothing but great things. It sounds like a really fun psychedelic, maybe not, maybe fun isn't the word, but really a wondrous psychedelic uh, experience. And so there's a lot of visual wonder going on, uh, in, in uh, over a movie. So, uh, these films and more are available over there. Uh, and there's a special offer for listeners of battleship pretension. You can try movie free for a month. Just go to movie.com. That's M U B I.com slash battleship to redeem now, or you can go to battleship and click on the movie ad on the left-hand side. And I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. You see, tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. And Tyler and I use them each and every day. Today, because I, again, only listen to music by people who have just died. Mm-hmm. I was listening to The Germs um, because bassist Lorna Doom uh, passed away very young. She was only about 50. It's kind of unconfirmed mm-hmm. what her actual age was, which is very punk rock. Um <laughs> Uh, the, of course, this is a movie podcast, movie connections. Germans are one of the bands featured in the landmark documentary, the decline of Western civilization, mm. um, which is great. They don't, the, their music is great. They don't come across as great people in that movie, <laughs> sure. but they're like 19 or whatever at that time, you know, we were all <laughs> shitty at 19. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Um, so, uh, rest in peace, Lorna doom, listen to the germs. They're fucking great. And they sound great on your tweaked earbuds, which are available for, for a low, low price at tweaked But if you use, if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension. Tyler. Yes. Let's get into it. Shall we? Okay. It's that time of year again. Uh, it feels, I, 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 it feels late. I almost forgot about it mm-hmm. because Sundance is like a week later than it has been the past couple of years. Like oh, it's, interesting. It's the last weekend in January when the past couple of years, it was the, the third weekend, maybe even the year before that too. I don't remember. Um, you know, what's interesting about what we do here, uh, this time of year, uh-huh. um, especially since you started going to Sundance is that, uh, it happens smack dab in the middle of our end of the year 
stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it kicks off the following year's end of the year uh, stuff because it's often yeah. it's often awards type stuff that you see it that that is featured at Sundance. Or if not awards type, I mean, some of them, yes, but it's definitely the kind of stuff that people that you and I associate with and read tend to end up putting their on their yeah. top ten. I have multiple movies on my the current iteration of my yeah. top ten list that played Sundance last year. Not all of them I saw at Sundance last year. Some of them I only just recently caught up with. But uh, yeah, it seems to happen every year that some some great, great movies come out of Sundance. So I'm sure that some of the movies we're going to talk about today we'll be talking about no. in a year's time. So in the midst That's of, exciting. In the midst of looking backwards, <laughs> we also take a moment to look forwards. Um, That's the way I look at it. I, lo- I love it. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do the format that you invented. Um, which yes, I, yes, I, I invented, I, do you know what, uh, it's a kids in the hall reference. Um, you know, the, uh, I'm crushing your skull. Yes. Guy. Yes. Do you remember when he met, meets the, I'm pinching your face yes, guy and right. pinching your face <laughs> guy claims to have invented it. He yeah. says, uh, which yes, yes, I invented. <laughs> um, anyway, I always think about that whenever I invent something or whatever. Um, I'm like uh, Rick Moranis. I'm like, I the kids. I'm inventing things left yeah. and right. Or like every dad in the eighties movie in eighties movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Most of them played by uh, Matt Frewer. <laughs> Do you remember a movie called, and you thought your parents were oh, weird? Yes. With Alan Thicke as a robot. Yeah. Like his, a dad who dies and his ghost ghost goes but, into a robot or something. But right? it's, he's an inventor. Okay. And he goes into the robot that he invented. Okay. It's like in their garage or whatever. And yeah. So yeah, their dad is, a robot or their dad's ghost. If their dad isn't a robot, their dad's ghost has possessed a robot and he has two sons. Okay. The older son is played by a noted actor, not noted by name. I don't remember his name, but don't look him up. Oh, you want me to guess? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to try and it's going to be hard to give you hints here. Okay. He played an iconic character in a movie that you and I think is hilarious because it's so terrible, but he played an iconic. So he plays an older brother. <laughs> is it the younger brother from Teen Witch? That's correct. <laughs> he matured. He aged. He, he evolved from a horrifying, otherworldly younger brother to a fairly mundane older brother, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to look up and you thought... <laughs> your parents were weird okay all right 1991 rated pg 92 minutes comedy family fantasy sci-fi is how uh i aim to be but i'm going down to release date and i'm confirming that no this did not premiere at sundance <laughs> um, you know <laughs> david i know that you uh, t- to my knowledge you are not planning on ever being a, uh, being a father which is unfortunate that i know you've of. got way <laughs> yeah um but yeah you've got the jokes down uh-huh. like <laughs> you know if nothing else you've got that you know yeah. you've got the market cornered there it could be so. uncle jokes they could be uncle jokes yeah. you keep at it i do like telling like joke jokes to my no, my nephew. Most of my nephews are too young to even get them. Yeah, but, uh, I have but, forgotten so many joke jokes. Like I used to know a million of them. 
I don't, yeah. if you said, tell me a joke right now, I would have a hard time coming up. Oh, with one. I still have a few. I still got, I mean, little kids still like the, uh, what's brown and sticky. Oh yeah. A stick. That's a classic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, my favorite for a little bit of an older crowd, not that it's more mature, but just sure. that he has to know what things are. I love this joke. Guy uh, tries to go into a restaurant. Uh, Maitre D says, got to stop you right there. Uh, you got to have a tie on to come in here. We have a dress code. And the guy's like, all right, I might have one in my car. Uh, I'll be right back. Goes to his car. He's looking around the car. He can't find a tie. He's looking in the trunk. He, he's like, I could just want to have a tie. Can't find it. But in the trunk, he has a pair of jumper cables. So he wraps them around, around his neck. You know, ties him up around his collar, goes back to the restaurant and says to the maitre d', you know, will this do? And the maitre d' says, all right, but don't go starting anything. (sighs) (laughs) All right. With that (laughs) out of the way, (laughs) let's do the thing. Ashamed of yourself. The thing which, yes, you invented. Okay. In which I give you two movies at a time. Although I did, I, I, I planned this out beforehand and ended up with an odd number of movies. So the last one will be a three-way right. battle royale. Oh, nice! But uh, two movies at a time, and you tell me which one I should see. Okay. This is all play acting because I already have my schedule pretty much locked, um, and these movies aren't even necessarily playing against so I'm each just other. A prop, uh, I'm just yes. a prop for you. These today. movies aren't necessarily playing against each other, but they're just. Uh, I pretty much took the list of stuff I was interested in seeing, mm-hmm. not all of which I will see, and, include, and uh, there are things that I'm going to end up seeing that aren't even on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of randomized it. So we're doing weird head to heads. All right. But the first one, <coughs> which you may have heard of, even if you haven't heard of the title, the title of the movie is <gasps> extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Okay. Uh, this is a movie, a narrative uh, film, not a documentary directed by noted documentarian Joe Berlinger, Berlinger, oh, okay, um, yeah. uh, who used to work with, um, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who passed away, they did the, uh, um, they like brothers keeper together and, and right. Uh, I don't remember his name. Metallica, some kind of monster. I, I I've drawn a blank right now, yeah. but, um, Joe Berlinger on his own recently did the documentary about Tony Robbins, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And he has coming out a documentary about Ted Bundy. Right. He also has now made a fictional film about Ted Bundy starring or a narrative film about, Ted Bundy starring Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. This okay, is the yes. hard part you probably that heard I have of. heard of. Um, so that's kind of an unwieldy title, but okay. Uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Yeah. I keep forgetting. I didn't remember. I keep forgetting if it's shockingly vile and evil or shockingly evil and vile. And you remember it's alphabetical. That's how I remember it. Extremely okay. wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Um, extremely wicked and incredibly close is what I want to say. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, um, Zach Efron plays, uh, this stupid app, um, plays Ted Bundy and I mean, that sounds, you've also got interesting, uh, cast also includes Lily Collins, Haley Joel Osment, Kea Scodelario, John Malkovich and Jim Parsons. Okay. All right. Also interesting. That is not going to be a small movie. Like those are some actors that are big <laughs> yeah, and yeah. aren't necessarily known for their subtlety. I think Zach Efron could play the part very well. I'm actually kind of excited yeah. about that because Ted Bundy was known to be like a fairly charismatic guy. And so, um, I'm interested to see if Zach Efron can kind of can capture that and then play the yeah. darker elements as well. So next up is a movie that I'm 
actually very excited about. I'm not tipping my hand out which one I'm leaning towards. Okay. Again, these movies, I'm probably going to end up seeing them both. Right. But um, uh, this movie I'm very excited about. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Honey Boy. Okay. It is about a 12-year-old child star and his contentious relationship with his father who takes care of him. It is written by Shia LaBeouf. That's yes. Shia LaBeouf plays the dad and it is loosely based on Shia LaBeouf's own childhood as a child star. Okay. Um, so those are the, uh, Oh, let me see if there's anyone else in the cast that I can, uh, Lucas hedges, Noah Jupe from, uh, a quiet place. Okay. And, uh, FKA twigs, uh, someone that I am going to go on a limb and say, you don't know who that is. I do not. Yeah. She's a singer. Uh, she used to date Robert Pattinson. But look at the rest of this cast. Uh, Micah Monroe, Natasha Leone, Laura San Giacomo, Clifton Collins Jr., Martin Starr. Okay. All right. You're not supposed to be looking these up. You're supposed Sorry. to be going, making decisions based on the information that oh, I Oh, Honey give. Boy. Uh, honey uh, Boy is your choice of the two. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I'll probably end up seeing them both. Like, as, as the Ted Bundy one which I'm not going to take the time to learn that title. They're going to change it after Sundance anyway, because no one wants to say all that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that could be the best version of it. And it can't possibly be as interesting and novel as honey boy. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, you know how I, I wouldn't have guessed this a couple of years ago. I wouldn't have guessed the fact that Shia LaBeouf is a draw for me. I have to come to terms with the fact that like, I think starting with American honey, Mm -hmm. I'm so fascinated in what he's doing at any given point. And you liked the McEnroe thing, right? uh, He was great as John McEnroe in Borg versus McEnroe. And I like his, like all my movies thing that he did a few years back. That was, that was great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at a point where I think I'm just a Shia LaBeouf fan and i know he made that movie where he that short film that he ripped he off sure from did. uh from um i drawing a blank now and the guy's uh the comic writer i don't actually remember i know the movie you're talking about and i yeah. watched it and i remember thinking it was pretty good but then you know i can't really credit him with that yeah um very famous guy i'm just drawing a blank completely honest i mean jim gaffigan is in it but i don't yeah. remember who uh who he stole it from yeah it's only time. I, oh, well, okay. um, anyway, uh, so next up. All right. So you picked honey boy next, mm-hmm. next, uh, pairing off is a movie called miles Davis birth of the cool. That's a documentary. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not seeing, not planning on seeing a lot of documentaries this year. In fact, here's a game we'll play. Wait till the end of the episode. I might forget to do this, but at the end of the episode, I'm going to name a bunch of documentaries. There is only one documentary that is actually on my, you know, ten, okay. I always end up seeing something like I always end up skipping something and seeing something else at Sundance right. that I didn't, uh, didn't plan on. Um, weirdly last year, this past year I skipped, I ended up skipping leave no trace because it was up against the tail, which I had heard such wonderful things about. Mm. The tail is great. But then I saw leave no trace like months and months later and I was yeah. like, Oh fuck, this movie's so good. Mm. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, so I'm, uh, at the end of the episode, I'm, if I remember, I'm going to ask you which of the documentaries I mentioned do you think I'm actually oh, sure. planning okay. on seeing? Um, 
For all you know, this might be one of them. I haven't uh, said. But Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, is directed by Stanley Nelson, who makes a lot of uh, documentaries. He made the, the Black Panthers Vanguard of the Revolution a few years oh, ago, right. uh, which was quite good. Um, and then he made, which I didn't see a couple years ago, Tell Them We Are Rising, which is a documentary about uh, historically black colleges and universities, oh, yes. or HBCUs, as mm-hmm. we call them. Um, so that's about Miles Davis. If you don't know... Uh, about me and my musical tastes, which are, I know all over the place, but I love Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, yeah, I love his music. He was probably a jerk. And then see, I randomized these. So this is no fair. The one you're going to pick is uh, part of, so a lot of, a lot of Sundance is mostly premieres, but they have a section called spotlight. It's just, mm-hmm. which is stuff usually that, um, has played other festivals, but hasn't played. It's usually a North American premiere or a U.S. premiere, but it's not a premiere premiere. Mm-hmm. So here's the, I think it's the North American premiere of The Nightingale, which is the new film by Jennifer Kent, who made The Babadook, which you Oh, love. yes. It's, so it, The Nightingale it'll, is the it'll be that one. Uh, all right. I'm not even going to go into what it's about. I'm kind of uh, keeping myself partially in the dark about what it's about. Um, I do know it's uh, the longest film I'm planning on seeing. Mm-hmm. at Sundance because it's like two hours and 15 minutes um all right so uh <coughs> next up the next pair first up is Martha Stevens to the stars okay. uh I'm gonna read a little bit of the synopsis in a god-fearing small town in 1960s Oklahoma the spectacled and reclusive teen Iris endures the bo- the booze induced antics of her mother and daily doses of bla- bullying from her classmates she finds solace in Maggie the charismatic and enigmatic new girl at school who hones in on should be homes in uh Sundance homes in on Iris's untapped potential and coaxes her out of her shell when Maggie's mysterious past can no longer be suppressed the tiny community is thrown into a state of panic leaving maggie to take potentially drastic measures and inciting iris to stand up for her friend and herself okay so that's directed by martha stevens um who, and what was it called again it's called uh, to the stars okay um let's see if there are any stars leanna liberato jordana spiro shay wiggum malin ackerman and tony hale okay the next up is a documentary which has only recently gotten a name, was initially listed as Untitled Petra Costa Documentary, which is the director's name, uh, but now it's called The Edge of Democracy. So, once a nation crippled by military dictatorship, Brazil found its democratic footing in 1985 and then, in 2002, elected a hugely popular political disruptor, steelworker activist, steelworker-turned-activist Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Under his watch, 20 million Brazilians were lifted out of poverty, and his country rose to international prominence. In 2010, Lula, as he's known, passed the presidential baton to his prodigy, a fierce female guerrilla named not gorilla gorilla yeah. named Dilma Rousseff. <laughs> oh man. But, but, <laughs> it was, it was a lot more interesting for yeah. a moment, <laughs> but beneath their sunny legacy, rumblings of populist rage and institutional corruption seeped into the mainstream, much of it abetted by a partisan judge who fed news outlets, sensational, deeply flawed corruption reports that targeted Lula Doma and any, anyone else who refused to scratch the backs more gorilla uh, <laughs> imagery of powerful politicians and special interest groups. So that's uh, a documentary about uh, politics in Brazil leading up to the very recent mm-hmm. thing that happened in Brazil in which they elected their Trump, mm-hmm. their uh, um, uh, right-wing populist uh, lying idiot. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to the stars or the edge of democracy. Uh, to the stars sounds interminable. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> the edge of democracy. Okay. Um, I should mention, um, not that this will change your mind, but, uh, Martha Stevens 
the only other film of hers I've seen was a film called Land Ho, which was a co-direction effort with friend of BP, Aaron Katz. Oh, all right. We get him in there. Yeah, maybe. But uh, no, it just sounds like such a standard, like, oh, people don't understand me. Oh, the new girl understands me. And oh, but it's uh, small town. Like they lost me at small town in Oklahoma. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can already tell the tone of this. <laughs> all right. Oh, man, my sickness is coming back. Uh, doing all this talking. Next up is a movie called Blinded by the Light. Okay. Now, this is directed by Gurinder Chada, uh, director of Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, all right. And um, does it have any names that we know? Haley Atwell is in the cast. Okay. That's the only name I recognize. Uh, in 1987... Margaret Thatcher's England, Javed, a 16-year-old British Pakistani boy, lives in the town of Luton. His father's recent job termination and the neighborhood skinheads are a daily reminder of the difficult time he's living in. What young Javed really wants is to be a writer, something his father doesn't approve of under- understand. When a new friend loans him a few Bruce Springsteen cassettes, Javed has changed forever. The boss's working-class anthems and affirming lyrics seem to speak directly to Javed, emboldening him to find his own voice as a writer, stand up to the racism around him, and challenge his father's rigid ideals. Okay. The idea of... Uh, something that I love Bruce Springsteen as right. uh, most thinking people do. Um, and the idea of something that seems to represent such a specific class and demographic here in America, speaking to a 16 year old Pakistani British boy in 1987. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really fascinating to me. Okay. The idea that that could speak across those kind of what was the name of that one. Uh, that's called blinded by the light. Okay. Uh, and the challenger, the challenger is, uh, I can't wait to wait to read the, uh, I wonder I, these synopses that are on the Sundance page. I wonder if they come from the filmmakers or from the mm. producers. Cause they're not, there's not a uniformity to their style. Okay. So this one's called the death of Dick long. And here's the synopsis. Holy crap. Dick is dead. Died last night after band practice and his bandmate Zeke and Earl don't want anybody finding out how. That's too bad, though, because news travels fast in small town Alabama and these guys suck at covering their tracks. The authorities haven't ID'd the body just yet, but Zeke's wife and his daughter are getting more and more suspicious. That one. Yeah. Yes. That is directed by Daniel Scheinert, who is one of the Daniels who directed Swiss Army Man. Oh, okay. Um, so that one, even before that- I read that delightful synopsis, that one was on my yeah. uh, on my list. Blinded by the Light could be fine, but again, like, it's just... I hate well, to say it, but, like, you bring in all this... I know it's Sundance, but, like, the last couple things... Uh, the Oklahoma one, I've already forgotten the name of it. To the Stars. To the Stars and <laughs> Blinded by the Light, two titles that actually kind of go together. Yeah. Um, they just seem so sundance like, bringing in all these... Yeah. But here's the thing. If there's such a thing as, like, artistic or narrative intersectionality, yeah. Like, yeah. Blinded by the Light is that. But here's, there's a reason that I, before I read the synopsis of Blinded by the Light, I mentioned Gurren Dachada's mm-hmm. name. Because if I had just read the synopsis of Blinded by the Light, I'd, or, uh, I, 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 I might not have been um, uh, over the moon about it. Right. But loving Bennett like Beckham like I do, and knowing that Gurren Dachada can handle this sort of what could be very superficial populist fair right. with an eye towards character and emotional truth makes me think yeah. that this could be good in her care. Okay. Um, all right. Next up uh, is a documentary that I, I'm, I put on here because it's definitely very much in the zeitgeist right now. 
I know you're not going to be interested in this documentary. I'm not even interested in this documentary and it's up my alley. Okay. It's called Knock Down the House and it's the documentary about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who's all over the news lately. And I have really warmed up to actually, um, uh, I mean, I've warmed up to, I always liked her, her, her policies. She's charming as hell. Uh, but she's also getting better and better at being a politician and she's knowing what she's talking about more and more often. I feel like she, she won based on, you know, certain policies that we on the left tend to support, but she didn't maybe was, she seemed my, my hesitance. I was hesitant to sort of endorse her as a leftist early on because I felt like it was very surfacey, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think we've seen more and more her clearly as now this is her full-time job, which right. it wasn't before. And she has time to, to, to do the research. Now she's really bringing the big guns and really talking about, um, uh, things with a depth of knowledge about the, the things that she's advocating. I'm really warming up to her. Uh, hmm. yeah. I wonder if we're watching different interviews. Uh, well, I mean, you might be watching older interviews because like when I talk re- about it, the, the interview that I'm talking about in which she kept dodging the question of how to pay for her policy. Sure. Sure. Goes directly to her current, uh, stances and the things she's advocating, which are specifically about how to pay for, uh, mm-hmm. in, increased, uh, social programs and other left, left wing policies. Like she's clearly focusing on like, uh, Oh, I shit. I need to get stuff done and I need to learn how to get stuff done. Yeah. And she's learning how, and I like her more every day. I mean, it's, it's the idea that like campaigns are all about rhetoric. And then when you sure. actually get the job, you have to figure out, Oh uh, yeah, there's a logistical element here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, I would say she's on a, for someone with her lack of experience and her age yeah. younger than we are. Um, I would say she's on a pretty quick learning curve on that. It sort of seems to be, I'll say the, the thing that needs to happen with her. And I say this as somebody who's, who I'm not really in favor of a lot of her policies, but what I will say is like the worst thing that could happen is if she is elevated by the party because she's, you know, she's so likable and so charming elevated to the point of like genuinely out of her depth because this, I know this sounds weird. I was not a fan of Sarah Palin. If she had simply been a governor for a while, and then got into Senate or something like that and like was groomed and given enough time to know how to answer questions. I she can't. could like, she had a charisma, but that can't carry you at that level. And well, I feel like the difference I think is was Sarah Palin ever personally, intellectually interested in politics and passionate about politics themselves, which, national politics. I don't think so. Okay. Um, but that's the thing is like, there is such a thing as being finding somebody who has charisma and grooming them. And I think that, you know, AOC, sorry, it's a lot of syllables, but I don't um, want, I, I, I don't want her to be groomed. I want her to, to learn from her experiences, but I don't want right. her to be groomed by external forces. Right. You know what what I mean to say is that like, yeah, it's, it's possible that they could see her. It's like, well, she kind of is, she's like a, a youthful Bernie Sanders and, you know, and again, very charismatic, very likable. So let's, let's really try to like fast track her. It's like, no, no, no. Well, luckily, give her time to, to luckily you can't run for president until you're 35. I can't be president until you're 35. So that's just, she's got some time. Yeah. And, and that's why we should, honestly, we should have more young politicians on on all sides like we yeah. it, it shouldn't be you know i remember the one um 
I can't remember who it was, but one politician talking about needing more youth. And basically he was saying, I'm 45 years old and I'm considered young for an elected politician. And it shouldn't yeah. be like that. You, it's, you don't have to be 35 to run for Congress. You have to be 35 to be president. And so yeah. we should get more people in Congress, uh, in their twenties. That'd be, that'd be great. When you, when you look at, and I'm not saying this to like bash the Democrats or anything like that, but like when you look at the challengers, the potential challengers to Trump in 2020, like they're all in their seventies. And it's like, that is not, I mean the ones that people are like like Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and like Elizabeth Warren. Um, and there's still rumblings of Hillary Clinton trying again. I uh, honestly, I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. uh, No, I think, um, I would say if any of those people get the nomination, then Trump gets reelected provided he hasn't been, uh, removed from office. I, I, uh, I think Biden beats him easily. Um, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think, uh, if you think of the people that Trump won over, like the, the blue collar working class, like Biden has always resonated but that's not, with them. That's not who the Democrats need. I mean, obviously if you're going to be in national politics, you should try to try to, try to represent all America. Sure. Sure. But the Democrats need, and I think the younger generation of Democrats understands that they don't need that vote. In fact, that vote demographically is getting smaller and smaller every year. Right. What they need are younger and more non-white votes. People who mm-hmm. have often ended up just staying home because no one is speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And Joe Biden, I, I, I doesn't seem to given his, um, recent statements on the record about younger people. Um, yeah. like I, I don't think he's an inspiring figure. I think, um, uh, obviously minority candidates like Cory Booker or Kamala Harris Kamala, will be yeah, I inspiring. Is a, a, I think Beto O'Rourke is somehow, I don't know. Somehow people find him very inspiring. <laughs> I think he's, I, I think he could win because he's like, and you're going to disagree with this characterization, but I think Beto O'Rourke is, has a good chance of winning because like Barack Obama, he's very inspiring to progressives despite being very much a centrist at heart. Hmm. Um, and I know you're f- so far to the right that you don't see Obama as a centrist. Um, right. Yeah. No, <laughs> you see him as, uh, as, as a total pinko, but, um, I'm coming from the left. I'm telling you, well, I mean, Obama we- was a diplomat and a compromiser and, um, uh, in his policies. I understand his attitude could sometimes be off putting to people on the right. Um, but in his, in his policies and the places we ended up with things, it, he was a centrist. I, the thing that oddly enough, I recognize that like he was raised in Texas and he was given the nickname of Beto. But like the fact that they like play that up, I, I actually know people that think that he is Latino. Oh, just see, based on that. Even, see, I'm such a yeah. like clueless white guy that I didn't even yeah. associate that with a Latino thing. Oh but, yeah. Know, it's uh, very much so. That and makes so sense. like they play yeah. that because I mean, it's a notable name but like if you look at his he has quite possibly the most irish name you've uh-huh. ever heard it's like yeah. robert francis o'rourke i mean like yeah like that is the that is the name of a of a uh, corrupt councilman in chicago in the 20s uh-huh. um but uh but yeah so and that's the thing i don't necessarily think he's trying to trick anybody but i do wonder if i feel like he could come up against like a public relations 
mess if people think that he's trying to trade on something that he's not. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. Well, but all he's got to do is publish a DNA test. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll fix everything. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Man, she, re- she like played right into that. Uh, yeah, which is why I don't think she should uh, uh, be the nominee. <laughs> I'm but. surprised that she announced that she's going to. Like, uh, I think she had. I think she had her moment uh, a couple years ago, and I don't think. Uh, I think it's passed her by. Um, well, you know, I you know anyway. who I am. I am. Uh, um, I don't actually like any. Body, <laughs> but so <laughs> wait. Do you mean in politics or in general? I mean, I mean in politics, but I also kind of mean in general. Yeah. Um, I'm always just given where my policies are, and I'm a bit of a realist. I will always throw my support behind the Democrat I think can win. Sure, that's what it's going to be. Um, I don't actually like any of them that much. Yeah. Um, for various reasons, but uh, yeah. So I guess I'm uh, team. Uh, Kamala Harris right now because I think she could win but uh yeah at the same time she's gotten on my nerves in the past yeah. too she she's very much a politician in a lot of ways and she also doesn't have that much experience yet like I know that I mean at, attorney at general a, at a state the, the level biggest, yeah yeah sta- you know of what do people always say like the seventh largest economy in the world whatever I mean that the attorney general's not an economic uh, right, position yeah. but you know um I, mean, I think a, Did she, a, a she statewide like, office yeah. in California means more than a statewide that office is true, in, yes. other, yeah. in, in a lot of other states. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not that worried about level of experience. You know, you got to be 35. That, to me, that's... that's Oddly enough, the thing that I've been thinking about lately, and I guess this kind of speaks to what I was saying about like Sarah Palin, is like, I, I just want someone to finish their first term. <laughs> in whatever it is they do, that would really hit the spot. Like I know, yeah. like I voted well, for Obama in 2008, but he was like two years into, and again, like Chicago, that's experience. That's a little bit higher than other places. It's a big city. Yeah. Um, you know, a state Senator in Illinois, I'm I'll, I'll grant that. And then he was a Senator for two years and it's, it's so clear in full, uh, Carchetti fashion that he became a senator so that he could then become president yeah. as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, well, AOC can't. So that, that's to me, I that's, know. that's what she's uh, there's the, the future of the democratic party because she <laughs> cannot be the president of the democratic party, at least in, yeah. uh, in the executive office. Um, fascinating? Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. We can, yeah. we can move on. But speaking of, uh, uh, just the initial, yeah, everyone on Twitter calls her AOC. Yeah. But I, again, not only am I a clueless white guy, I'm also a bougie white guy. Okay. AOC is the name of like an upscale wine bar here in <laughs> Los Angeles. And it's also, and I think this is what the wine bar is named after. AOC is also the name of the stamp of certification on cheese to show that it was grown in and imported from France. Okay. It's called the AOC stamp. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, and though, and I, th- I think that's what the wine bar is named after, but those, uh, that's still, I still haven't gotten to Alexandria, Ocasio-Cortez saturation to the point where I don't first think of those things when I see the initials ASC. That's what a bougie, clueless white yeah, you really I am. <laughs> On both levels, that's the fun thing. You got your cheese and your wine. Yeah, oh yeah, you can't have one without the other. Exactly. I guess you can if you don't drink. No no judgment. Okay, so that's Knock Down the House uh, is that documentary. I guess I let the cat out of the bag, but that's one documentary I'm not planning on seeing. Right. <coughs> I think that, the issue for me there is that I feel like it can't possibly be anything but 
regardless of whether I agree with her or not, like it can't be anything but glowing. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I should say, um, it's a little more interesting than that. I, I kind of misled by saying it's about her. It's actually about the new class of female freshman okay. democratic senators. That's more, but if you read the synopsis, it's clearly leading with, sure. she's clearly the, I don't know if it's maybe in the movie, it's equal time, but in the mm-hmm. marketing, they're clearly, uh, going with her, um, notoriety all right next up uh, so that's up against a movie called native son uh bigger big thomas so i guess his real name is bigger and his nickname is big hmm. uh a young african-american man lives with his mother and siblings in chicago half-heartedly involved with a girlfriend he sports green hair and a punk jacket smokes weed and carries a pistol but rebuffs his buddy's easy money scheme to knock off a corner store full of self-determination big accepts a job as the chauffeur chauffeur for wealthy businessman will dalton's family moving into their mansion he begins driving dalton's vehemently progressive daughter mary but his involvement in an accidental death places big on a collision course with the powerful social for social forces pitted against him um so yeah this is a modern day retelling of the 1940 novel native son um which i never read i know a lot of people who have said it's great um and um uh who made it it, um the director's name is rashid johnson uh the cast includes uh nick robinson kiki lane from if bill street could talk Mm. uh bill camp seeing the movie's gonna be at least partially good and sana lathan who is also uh an actress i really like from um uh like love and basketball um and also, I know her from uh, being born on September 19th, which is never. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, so those are Knock Down the House or Native Son. <sighs> Native Son sounds pretty good to me. Native Son it sounds... It kept like being, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, I also have not read the book, and I'm sure if I had, because people have said it's marvelous. Um, I'm sure if I had, then like the moment someone said, oh, it's been adapted into an, uh, a new movie, I'm sure it'll be good. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think probably probably that one. <clears throat> All right, so the next one, next uh, head-to-head. Relive. Los Angeles detective Jack Radcliffe fields a distressed phone call from his niece Ashley and rushes to the rescue, only to find the girl and her parents dead in an apparent murder-suicide. Then, just as the, as the police department declares the killings an open-and-shut case, Jack gets another call from Ashley. With the cell phone connection acting as a link between the past and the present, Jack urges Ashley to collect clues that will help him solve her murder and change her fate. What's that one called? It's called Relive. Okay. It stars this stupid app. <laughs> I swear. Is it the Sundance app? No, I copied and pasted this into the... I'm not going to okay. throw this app under the... Um, <laughs> so, uh, it stars David Oyelowo. Okay. Uh, and Michael C. Williamson are now from Merlina, Brian Tyree Henry. He's ho- so hot right now. And it is directed by Jacob Estes. Do you know the name Jacob Estes? Because he directed a movie that you love. No. He directed Mean Creek. Oh, shit. Okay. So All that's right. up against After the Wedding. And by the way, come on, man. Like, try to stay on brand. BP nominee Brian Tyree Henry. Oh yeah, BP nominee. Come on, nominee. okay. Uh, after the wedding, Isabel Michelle Williams has dedicated her life to working with the children in an orphanage in Calcutta. <laughs> Teresa Julianne Moore is the multimillionaire head of a media company who lives with her handsome artist husband Billy Crudup and their two adorable twin boys in New York. When word comes to Isabel, Isabel of a mysterious and generous grant for the financially struggling orphanage, she must travel to New York to meet the benefactor Teresa in person. And when Isabel is spontaneously invited to Teresa's daughter's wedding, Isabel discovers a 
connection to Teresa that takes her on an unexpected journey into her own past. So this is an English. <laughs> this is oh, the I American this were a video sh- uh, video podcast. Yeah. Uh, this is the American remake of Suzanne Beer's Danish film after the wedding. Mm-hmm. Suzanne Beer just directed Bird Box, yeah. uh, which is an American movie. Uh, it's directed by Bart Freundlich. Fun fact: Bird Box gets worse the more I think of it. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it from the jump. Yeah. Um, uh, I've already given you the cast there that was in the synopsis. Again, see th- that most synopses don't have the cast. This yeah, one that's did. true. Uh, so, relive or after the wedding? After the wedding does sound interesting, but I think obviously relive. Yeah. I mean, you had it. You had me from. I think the first three words is like L.A. Detective or something <laughs> like Jack that. Radcliffe. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, I mean, the fact Jacob Estes made Mean Creek, which is great. Yeah, you've got David Oyelowo and Brian Tyree Henry and Michael T. Williamson. Yeah, yeah. great cast. Who's he's always a pleasure to see. Yeah. Uh, next up, another documentary called Marianne and Leonard: Words of Love. This is a documentary about uh, Leonard Cohen and Marianne Faithful. Mm. So. Um, I'm sorry, Marianne Island. Marianne Faithful is another person. Okay. I just, my, I'm sorry. That was, an, that was a brain autocorrect that uh, didn't mm-hmm. work. Marianne Island. Sorry. Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Got it. Uh, yes. So that's a documentary called Marianne and Leonard words of love. Um, who is that directed by? Uh, Oh God. It's directed by Nick Broomfield. Oh, Again, this is I've said this before. Nick Broomfield makes great documentaries about serial killers and bad documentaries about celebrities. Yeah, that's his thing. Um, and the next up, I say I should have. So many of these are so obvious. Which okay. one you're going to pick? Because okay. this one was one of the first ones on my to, li- to see list. This is also in the spotlight section. This played, I think, Venice or something last year. But I think does that speak ill of uh, me that I'm this predictable? No, but I'm saying these are predictable for me too. Okay. All right. In a lot of ways. Um, uh, so this is a movie that I think played, um, I think it played Venice or something. I think it's a North American uh, premiere. It's called The Mountain. The year is 1953. Andy, a young introverted teenager, works as a Zamboni driver at an ice rink, where his father is a flamboyant skating instructor. Andy's mother is institutionalized. When Andy meets Dr. Wallace Fine, a famous lobotanist, now in the sad decline of his career, the shy young man joins the doctor on a tour of rural mental hospitals. As Fine desperately evangelizes for the lobotomy procedure to drum up business, Andy becomes infatuated with the patient and her father, and emerges himself from the surreal, burgeoning New Age movement of the American West. I'm give you the cast before i give you the um uh the director so the cast includes the name of it again uh, it's called the The mountain Mountain. okay the cast includes jeff goldblum ty sheridan udo keir and denis levant um and it is directed by rick alverson director of the comedy and entertainment well i mean yeah that's like i said this was one of the first yeah uh ones that i circled um on the on the list uh, I've been, I mean, I've been such a fan of Rick Alverson. The com- the comedy and entertainment are both amazing movies. If you I didn't see the comedy, but I did see entertainment, which I really adored. And it's, uh, was that, that a BP nominee for, was Michael Sarah nominated for best performance under 15 minutes? He for was. That? Yeah. yeah. See a BP nominee. All right. <clears throat> Next up. So some of these, I'm not going to read the whole, especially when it's documentaries about a certain subject. Let me just tell you what it's about. Yeah. This one's called where's my Roy Cohn. It's a documentary about Roy Cohn. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, it's directed by Matt Tiernauer, uh, who has made other stuff that I've seen, but I'm drawing a blank okay. at the moment. Um, Oh, so this one is, 
Uh, this one will be interested to see. So that's a documentary about Roy Cohn called okay. Where's My Roy Cohn. It's up against a documentary called Ask Dr. Ruth, which is a documentary about Dr. Ruth. Okay. So which documentary should I go see? The Roy Cohn one or the Dr. Ruth one? Uh, I'll be honest. I think Roy Cohn is a fascinating figure. I think Ask Dr. Ruth will be a perfect, I think it's going to be a straightforward uh, documentary that's just very complimentary about this woman who is just so con- seemingly contradictory that like this adorable young, uh, uh, small woman is giving sex advice that could be interesting, but it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be intriguing. Uh, Roy, okay. everything Roy Cohn is intriguing. Okay. All right. Um, next matchup late night. Catherine Newberry, Emma Thompson, is a pioneer and legendary host on the late-night talk show circuit. When she's accused of being a woman who hates women, she puts affirmative action on the to-do list, and presto, Molly, Mindy Kaling, is hired as the one woman in Catherine's all-male writer's room. But Molly might be too little too late, as the formidable Catherine also faces the reality of low ratings and a network that wants to replace her. Molly, wanting to prove she's not simply a diversity hire who's disrupting the comfort of the brotherhood, is determined to help Catherine by revitalizing her show and career, and possibly even bigger change affecting a bigger change at the same time. I should mention that Minnie Killing also wrote the screenplay. Okay. Uh, and John Lithgow is in this. So is Reed Scott. So is Amy Ryan. And what's this name here? Paul Walter Hauser. Hey. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's who directed one. that, uh, that is directed by a person named Nisha Ganatra. Okay. Uh, the name was again, late night, late night. Okay. And that's up against for the purposes of this podcast, uh, photograph, um, this is a long synopsis. I'll, I'll uh, just read the uh, most interesting part. Right. Rafi works as a street photographer in frenzied Mumbai, snapping in improvised portraits for tourists, tourists at the city's landmarks. When his ailing grandmother, who had always hoped that Rafi would start a family, comes to visit, he scrambles to appease her. A chance encounter with kind-hearted and lonely, lonely Maloney Lonely Maloney um, <laughs> offers the perfect opportunity since she's happy to play along when Rafi asks her to be his pretend companion. Yet even as the scheme throws into sharp relief, the class differences and obstacles that would stand in the way of such a union, the line between hypothetical and real affections grows ever hazier. Uh, that is directed by Ritesh, sorry, Ritesh Batra, who directed the lunchbox a few years ago with, um, Irfan Khan. Oh, that's right. Really good movie, which is the main reason the photograph is on my list. So uh, now it's up to you to decide late night or photograph. I think late night. Okay. Um, the other one sounds interesting, but the intriguing thing to me uh, about late night is the, uh, is the idea that that's that like a, a, a woman who is successful can still be accused of, well, you're not, you hate women. You don't right. hire any women. Like you're not woman enough, whatever you want to say. And that intrigues and the, and, and the concept of like, no, no, I'm not, I'm more than just a diversity hire. Right. Like I, these, <clears throat> like trying to prove like being very successful, but still feeling the need to prove to yourself yeah. and not just to, not just to like the boys club, but in fact to the women who say you're not doing enough. Like right. that all sounds really interesting. And the fact that Mindy Kaling wrote, wrote it, it is, yeah, that's is the main reason it's on this it ended up on this list. I think, and I think uh, honestly, uh, Emma Thompson, I like the idea of her in that type of role. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely think she's funny. Um, all right, next up corporate animals. Lucy Demi Moore is the egotistical megalomaniac CEO of incredible edibles America's premier provider of edible cutlery 
in her infinite wisdom, <laughs> I should say this is part of the Midnight series, okay. which is uh, um, the sort of genre horror type stuff. Um, in her infinite wisdom, Lucy leads her staff, including her long-suffering assistants, Freddie, Karen Sony, and Jess, Jessica Williams, on a corporate team-building caving weekend in New Mexico. When disaster strikes, not even their useless guide Brandon, Ed Helms, can save them. Trapped underground by a cave-in, this mismatched and disgruntled group must pull together in order to survive. Okay. Um, and that is directed by Patrick Bryce, who directed The Overnight with uh, oh, Jason yeah, yeah. Schwartzman and, and Adam Scott and yeah. uh, um, the woman from Orange is the New Black, Taylor Schilling. Okay. I'm trying to remember who the other person in that movie was. She was good. I just can't remember her name yeah. on the top of my head. All right. Um, this one is, like I said, Demi Moore, Ed Helms, Jessica Williams. And this is up against a documentary. I don't know if you've heard about this person, Elizabeth Holmes. The, it's called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Elizabeth Holmes arrived in Silicon Valley with a revolutionary medical invention. She called it the Edison, a small, hyper-sophisticated black box that performed 200 tests in minutes, all from a single drop of blood. Needles, laboratories, and the select few companies that controlled them would become instantly obsolete. Like Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, and Thomas Edison himself, Holmes intended to tear tear down and revolutionize an entire industry. The hitch... All of it was a lie. The system was a hoax, and it began as one of 2014's hottest tech companies valued at $9 billion, billion, mm-hmm. dissolved into a fraudulent bankrupt scheme that exposed Silicon Valley's underbelly. So those are the two. You've got Corporate Animals, a sort of horror comedy mm-hmm. with Demi Moore, and you've got a documentary directed by Alex Gibney, who makes eight documentaries a year yeah. uh, about a uh, kind of almost news of the weird uh, type of story about a... Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm going with the uh, the documentary. Actually, it sounds it definitely is like a a fun story. And honestly, mm-hmm. they that's a good description as well. Like, yeah, even if it weren't a hoax already, it's interesting. And yeah. I feel like, oh, it's going to be a, a story of people trying to keep that down because yeah. it it works too well. And it's like. It's like, yeah, it does work too well. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. too well to be true. Speaking uh, of keeping things down, that's though, interesting to me. That title, The Inventor Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Take a hatchet. Out for Blood. Out for Blood's a great name for a doctor. There you go. Right? Yeah, that's great. That's, that's all it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't the need fact the whole. That it's out for Blood, and it's about this thing that yeah. analyzes blood. Like, it's a fun. Uh, you know, what was it? It's like, uh, that critic episode where, uh, these truckers are like, Oh, they're going to go see a movie called ultimate force. And it's a doc. It's a Stephen Hawking documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So you picked the inventor. Mm. All right. Next up, another documentary called Tigerland. In the span of only a handful of generations, the tiger has transformed from a venerated creature with a role in our cultural consciousness into a major source of revenue, and the population of wild tigers in Asia has dropped from over 100,000 to less than 4,000. Tigerland illustrates how shifting political realities in Russia and India created a lucrative poaching underworld that decimated the tiger population. Hmm. Um, So that's a documentary about tigers. Um, And it's up against another documentary called, I don't know how you say this, Anthropocene, Anthropocene, hmm. the human epoch. Um, and blah, 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 a whole bunch of stuff here. It premiered at TIFF. Uh, the Anthropocene Working Group is, a compo- is composed of an international team of scientists who have spent nearly a decade researching the serious and lasting geological impact caused 
to our planet by humankind from the devastated great barrier reef in australia to the concrete seawalls that cover 60 percent of mainland china mainland china's coast to the biggest terrestrial machines ever built in germany to psychedelic potash mines in russia's ural mountains to surreal lithium evaporation ponds in the atacama desert the crew travels to six continents and 20 different countries to capture stunning images chronicling the catastrophic path traveled by our species over the last century uh, four years in the making, blah, blah, blah. So should I see the one about tigers or the one that's stunning images of a dying world? Um, what is the, what's the process where you like whip yourself? Yeah. <laughs> self-flagellation. Self-flagellation. Uh, maybe you should just do that instead. Okay. Uh, well, because in both cases, it's just a fun exercise in guilt. Um, Although I'm sure one is more visually beautiful. Than yes, the other. that's definitely a, a, a selling point for me. It is directed by a woman named Jennifer Bykwall. That's Anthropocene is. And she made a movie called Manufactured La- Landscapes, which okay. is a um, very, very beautiful uh, movie about like factories and machines and stuff. It does sound um, a little Koyaanisqatsi esque. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think that's. Although I, I mean, I really like tigers, and I, but I feel like that would be. Yeah, that's Tremendous, all the more reason to tremendously be, depressing. Yeah, that's all the more reason to be <clears throat> sad uh, about <clears throat> the movie if you like tigers so much. <laughs> if you like tigers. He's <laughs> 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 like, yeah. are you upset that I said I like tigers? You seem really. I mean, you know, whatever. If that's your kind of, th- if that's your thing. Uh, all right, what do we got? <sighs> all right, here we go. Another documentary called The Great Hack. It's not about. Oh, let's say uh, <laughs> um, uh, Rennie Harlan. There we go. Um, <laughs> have you ever filled out an online survey? Survey? Do you wonder why you receive ads for products that you happen to research the day before? Be afraid. Be very afraid. That's corny. Yeah. Uh, maybe Rennie Harlan did write this. <laughs> uh, data has surpassed oil as the world's most valuable asset, and it is being weaponized to wage cultural and political wars. We're in a battle for control of our most intimate personal details. The Great Hack uncovers the dark world of data exploitation through compelling personal journeys of players on different sides of the explosive Cambridge Analytica Facebook data. Breach the rock the world. <laughs> Was that actually all one sentence? Uh, yes. What is wrong with these people? Uh, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, oh, the one you're going to pick. This is a documentary, but it's not in the documentary section. It's in the midnight section. Okay. It's in the, the horror genre section. Oh, fun. Uh, it's called uh, Memory, The Origins of Alien. Memory was a script that Dan O'Bannon started in 1971, abruptly hitting a wall at page 29, but after the idea gestated for several years, it ultimately took the form of Ridley Scott's masterpiece, Alien. Alexander Just, Gestated, that's clever. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Alexander O. Philippe's documentaries, most recently 7852, about Hitchcock's psycho shower mm-hmm. scene, have interrogated cinema's cultural, memory, cultural ripples. If memory, the origins of Alien, were only a comprehensive account of Alien's origins, ancient myths, comic books, H.P. Lovecraft, sci-fi movies, and para- parasitic wasps, it would still be fascinating. But how did Alien lodge itself so indelibly into our cultural imagination. Philippe's real interest lies in the deep resonance of myths and our collective unconscious. The strange symbiotic collaboration between aliens... This keeps going, but obviously that's the one did, you're going to pick. Um, also, is he the one that did The People vs. George Lucas? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I think he might be. The name sounds familiar. Um, yeah, I liked that movie. I did too, uh, because he did not go the obvious route. And I think that with... Um, <clears throat> If, if, if that's who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, yeah, let me see. It's not coming up here. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll pick that one anyway. But at the same time, 
you know that alien blu-ray set okay that alien blu-ray set uh is so um comprehensive it's so comprehensive and it's like making of and it's interviews with dan o'bannon that part of me is like well maybe this one won't bring any new information to it but with that director who finds an interesting angle to go at things um that actually gets me more interested. I'd only heard about the, about the documentary a few days ago, actually. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting, but I bet it only will tell us what we know. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that now I, that sounds very interesting. And the other one, what was the other one? Oh, the hack. Yeah. The fuck, great hack. Fuck that thing. Um, I, um, I saw the people versus George Lucas at an outdoor screening. Hmm. Um, cause I guess they're thinking like it's a nerd, like, fun. yeah, yeah. But it's, I swear, I, Every time I say stuff like this, I feel like such a Los Angeles wimp. Okay. But like outdoor screenings or concerts at like the Greek say Mm -hmm. like in mid to late October, it's like it starts getting chilly at night. It does. (laughs) You know, or even, and then in April, like, um, cause, uh, TCM fest does poolside screenings in April and like April during the day in Los Angeles. Oh, you couldn't ask for anything more beautiful. Yeah. But it's like, it's a little too, Cold, cold at night. We're a little too desert adjacent here. Yeah. I think, um, to do, be doing these outdoor things, uh, in April and October. I mean, it regularly, there really is only like a month or two when the evening stays fairly warm. I mean, yeah, it drops the nature pretty of cold anyway. Yeah. 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 All right. <clears throat> Next up is a movie you might've already heard about cause the trailer's already out, um, which is rare for a Sundance movie. Uh, velvet buzzsaw. In the cutthroat world of fine art trading and representation, up-and-coming agent Josefina stumbles across a secret weapon, hundreds of dazzling paintings left behind after an elderly tenant in her building dies. Ignoring the instructions the clandestine artist left to destroy his work, she promptly starts circulating the paintings, which soon attracts the attention of the heavy hitters around her, including her boss, Rene Russo, um, an art critic played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and competing collectors, managers, and curators played by the likes of Billy Magnuson and Tony Collette. Yet as the deceased artist's portraits gain posthumous acclaim, they also awaken something imperceptible and sinister that threatens to punish those who have profited from his work. And that's started um, by Dan Gilroy, uh, who made Nightcrawler, yeah, which is yeah. good, but then he made Roman J. Israel Esquire, which is a disaster. Hey, it got me my points for best actor. Um, <laughs> and that's all that's, that's all that matters anymore. Um, that does sound really good. And, and yeah. the name sounds familiar. It doesn't fade from memory. Uh, Billy Magnuson is becoming something of a draw for me. Oh yeah, he's great. Um, you should see the oath. Uh, the the that whole thing has a pretty good cast, though, right? Yeah, Ike Barinholtz is the. Did he direct it or yes, he just write? He wrote, it? Okay. directed, right. and stars in it. Um, yeah, Tiffany Haddish plays the level-headed one, which is a great bit of stunt yeah. casting. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, thinking of of Game Night, I like the whole cast. Obviously, I love Jesse Plemons, but Billy Magnuson is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when um, Sharon Horgan mm-hmm. in Game Night mentions him accidentally putting on the projector his search for, do I have, was it, was it gonorrhea or chlamydia or like yeah, something yeah. like that? And he's like, I didn't. I had uh, pubic dermatitis, which you get for not washing your crotch enough. <laughs> like he just won the <laughs> argument. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's Villa Buzzsaw, and that, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, is up against Birds of Passage. In the late 60s, on the arid lands 
of the indigenous Wayu people, a ceremony introduces potential suitors to Zida, the daughter of Wayu matriarch Ursula. By winning Zida's hand, the ambitious young Rapayette becomes a part of also, also Ursula's powerful family. When he and his business partner, reckless outsider Moises, <coughs> stumble upon Peace Corps volunteers looking for marijuana, they start a lucrative, lucrative drug trafficking trade that absorbs to and threatens to destroy the family. This is from the director. Well, it's uh, co-directed by Ciro Guerra, who made Embrace of the Serpent, oh, which okay. our friend of the show, Brion Davis, mm-hmm. starred in. Uh, so it's co-directed by him and Christina Gallego. So um, uh, I guess that's, Again, for the purposes, that's the choice. Velvet Buzzsaw or Birds of Passage. The secret I'm not telling you is that I've already seen Birds of Passage. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh... I would, uh, I would pick Velvet Buzzsaw just because I feel like it's going to throw you more curveballs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that, like, the paintings have within them, like, so it's it sounds very, uh... uh oh, what is it? Like, In the Mouth of Madness or something like that. Yeah. Um, but probably funnier. Okay, and, so we've, and it's got a hell of a cast. So we have reached our <laughs> final, the three-way oh boy. battle royale. First up, the report. Senate staffer Daniel Jones is assigned the daunting task of leading an investigation into the CIA's detention and interrogation program. After analyzing extensive evidence, he learns about the enhanced interrogation techniques proven to be brutal, immoral, and ineffective that the CIA adopted after 9-11. When Jones and the Senate Intelligence Committee attempt to release the results from his investigation, however, the CIA and White House go to great lengths to prevent the truth from getting out. This is obviously based on Mm -hmm. a true uh, deal. Um, And it's... uh, uh, directed by Scott Z. Burns, um, who is a noted screenwriter but has directed before, although I'm drawing a blank on what he he wrote Side Effects, he wrote Contagion, um, but what did he direct before? Oh, nothing. The view from here, which uh, I don't know what that is. No. Says he returns to the director's chair, but I don't know. Like hmm. he's directed like an episode of Californication. Anyway, I'm sure that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so that's the report uh, directed by Scott Z. Burns. Um, if you're not, you're probably not hooked yet, but I am going to read you the cast list. Okay. Um, Adam Driver, Annette Bening, John Hamm, Ted Levine, Maura Tierney, Michael C. Hall. That's a good cast. That is a good cast. Yeah. Oh, Ted Levine. He needs to be in everything. Uh, yeah, him and Bill Cam. Him and Bill Cam. I was just gonna yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, they could be brothers. Let's, is it too soon to remake the bucket list? Um, <laughs> Were they brothers in the bucket list? It's an interesting I didn't, place I for didn't actually to go. see yeah. it. Um, all right, next up is a movie called Top End Wedding. Lauren and Ned are engaged. They are in love, and they have just 10 days to find Lauren's mother, who has gone AWOL somewhere in Australia's remote far north, reunite her parents, and pull off their dream wedding. In this heartfelt romance, director Wayne Blair takes viewers on a sweeping journey from the big city to the top end of Australia, culminating in a beautiful story about returning home. I'm sorry, what? No, it sounds cute to me. Nah. Top end wedding. Um, it stars... Um, Carrie Fox, whom you know from Shallow Grave. Oh, okay, yeah. And it also stars... I can't remember if you have yet watched Bohemian Rhapsody. I have not. But it stars Gwilym Lee, who plays Brian May in Bohemian Rhapsody. So you've got the report. It sounds perfectly pleasant. You've got the report. You've got Top End Wedding. Um, I was actually offered... uh, The publicist offered me a link for Top End Wedding. I'm trying to see if I can find time to watch Mm. it, 
before the festival. So why not watch it during your commute? That's what I do. Uh, yeah, I guess you do. Um, and then finally wounds, um, wounds. I feel like I just looked that up. That sounds familiar. Will is a bartender in New Orleans. He has a great job, great friends, and a girlfriend, Carrie, who loves him. He skates across life's surface, ignoring complications and concentrating on enjoying the moment. One night at the bar, a violent brawl breaks out, which injures one of his regular customers and causes some college kids to leave behind a cell phone in their haste. Will begins receiving disturbing texts and calls on the stranger's phone. While Will hopes to not get involved, Carrie gets lost down a rabbit hole investigating this strange malevolence. They've discovered something unspeakable, and it's crawling slowly into the light. This um, stars Army Hammer, Dakota Johnson, Johnson, Zazie Beetz, uh, and some names I don't know, and it is directed by Babak Anvari, who made a horror film called under the shadow, which I saw my first, okay. uh, the first Sundance I ever went to. Um, so those, that's, that's your three way there. Okay. The report top end wedding and wounds. Um, I think I'm probably leaning towards wounds just because i I tend to prefer genre stuff. And as good as that cast is for the report, I can't imagine it being that. Yeah. New. It's, I, I feel like a broken record lately, but like, it sounds like on the one hand is me who is someone who is very anti Bush and Cheney and that sort mm-hmm. of era movies that are made for people who feel that way often tend to yeah. suck. You know what I mean? Like vice sucks, <clears throat> but even going back to like uh, truth, was that what it was called? The yeah, Dan yeah. rather one terrible. Well, I think that might've been my least favorite movie that year, or at least it was, a it was, contender. I think, yeah, it was up there um, or down there, I guess. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to not, deal well uh, not respond well to movies that seem like they're pandering to my politics if the report is treated like uh almost like a like a thriller oh okay um i feel like that would be better yeah if it's done in just kind of a straightforward dramatic way i think the actors will bring a lot to it but it will only be so interesting but if you treat it like you know one of the reasons that all the president's men work so well despite everybody knowing how it worked uh, how it worked out um only a couple years later uh is that the the director just treated it as like really captured the the exhilaration that the characters felt as they found out new stuff um and so i feel like the report could work uh almost as a genre piece but yeah i think wounds is a much more interesting sounding film all right well that's uh you've helped me uh make my schedule not really oh yeah i was supposed to ask you because i don't think you're gonna get it which documentary do you think is on my them again i don't remember them all right let me it's gonna take a second let me go back to the top and list all the documentaries including the ones that i already said i wasn't gonna see okay um because you might have forgotten which ones those were um so there's miles davis birth of the cool no there is also no that's not a documentary there is the edge of democracy it's the one about brazil i don't think so there is knock down the house which i said i wasn't gonna see so that's kind of a gimme um i guess i put all the documentaries like toward the end didn't i um marianne and leonard no um (coughs) where's my roy Cohn? No. Ask Dr. Ruth. No. There's the tiger one. The inventor out for Blood and Silicon Valley. Maybe. 
Tigerland. No. Uh, Anthropocene, the human epoch. No. The great hack. No. Memory, the origins of alien. Maybe. Uh, that's it. Okay. So it's between memory and the inventor. I think you're seeing the inventor. It's neither. Oh, it is the edge of democracy. The Brazilian one. Oh, okay. Which, right. uh, because I kind of cheated by not mentioning that I am a fan of the director's work. Oh, I kind of left that out. <laughs> Uh, but I'm surprised you you're said, trying to fuck me here. What's going on? I'm, I'm you don't have any here. I entered into this in good faith. <laughs> um, oh, see, it's uh, still an IMDb is untitled Brazil document, mm. but it's called the edge of democracy unless it's not. But she made a documentary years ago, uh, 2012. So seven years ago called Elena, Elena, a young Brazilian woman oh, goes on forever, but it's really, really good. Mm. Um, and, um, uh, what was I going to say? I'm surprised though, that you'd so quickly dismissed the Anthropocene, the human epoch. Cause that does sound. Oh, no, I'm not saying, you. I'm not saying that. But that, as soon as I said it, you were like, no, it wasn't, didn't even get a maybe from you. I was just trying to remember our conversation at the time that right. it did not seem some like something that you were particularly invested in. Like some of the other stuff that we were talking about. Um, so, all right. I well, mean, a lot of that stuff sounds really good. If you see, if you wound up seeing like five of the movies that we just discussed, I think you've got a, you've had a good Sundance. Those sound like, yeah, I mean, a lot of, like I said, I'm already planning. I had to reserve my tickets like weeks ago uh, for the public. I get 10 public tickets mm-hmm. and then uh, anything else I can see at uh, press and industry screening. So I had to reserve my tickets weeks ago. So most of my schedule is already set. It does include a couple movies I didn't even mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. Um, but that's it. You can find us about David. Your, what? I know that we usually have a top of the show discussion, but you want an end of the show. I discussion? would like to have a bottom of the show discussion. Oh, this is the bottom of the show. That's okay. right. Uh, the rock bottom of the show. Um, yeah, it's something that uh, other people have, have commented on. And, uh, I was talking about with some of my students. Um, and I wanted to get your take on, I, okay. I can't, ima- I can imagine you not being super invested one way or another. Okay. The fact that the Spider-Man far from home trailer, uh, posted online, I believe two days ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tuesday. Um, we record on Thursday, everybody. Um, yeah, usually. So it has come out and Spider-Man's fine and Nick Fury is fine. Um, they have not necessarily released like a timeline in, in the world of the the Marvel uh, of the MCU. So you don't exactly know if it takes place. It, it's released after Endgame, but you don't know if it takes place after Endgame. But it seems to me there are some people that are up in arms about it. Other people are just kind of cynical about it and saying like, yeah, well look, we know everyone's coming back anyway, but it just seems to me that like you have a responsibility to the reality of the movies that you are making. And as of right now, Spider-Man's dead. So just let him be dead until he comes back. Um, you're right. I don't actually care that much, but yeah, I didn't think that much about it because I assumed, or I, 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 yeah, we don't know. It could take place like Ant-Man came out after, right. it, but takes place right. up until the, yeah. But uh, the fact that we didn't see Ant-Man scene. in it in infinity war right. That's true. makes a difference. So, um, 
Yeah, but I guess the reality of the situation is for one, the other reason I didn't think about it is that even having now seen Infinity War, I still keep forgetting that Sony's Spider-Man is a part of the same universe. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if I watched the trailer and I saw Nick Fury, I would have thought of it. No. But it didn't even occur to me that he's part of the same universe, even though I saw Infinity War. Yeah. But I, I do think it's probably an issue of like of Sony being like, yeah, we let you use our character. You're not also dictating our marketing. And I think it's, yeah, like, I recognize that studios and certainly marketing departments don't necessarily have to think about, or it's not their priority to, to like maintain the illusion or maintain the emotional state. But after seeing the Avengers Endgame trailer, which is a wonderful trailer. Because it is so mournful, you don't see any oh. action. It's all what about what pop song do they sing in slow motion? <laughs> if it's mournful. oh, oh, I think I think there's <laughs> I think there is one, and now I can't remember. But um, but it's 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 a great trailer, and it's a trailer that that maintains the tone that the MCU is currently in. Uh, and then the Far From Home trailer, despite it looking kind of fun uh, and featuring Jake Gyllenhaal as the Mysterio character. Yeah, that was what, what I read about. I focused on that. Um, yeah. It's just it's it, yeah, like I, I get it. It's it's one of those things that like you and I've had this discussion before. We all know that the characters aren't going to stay dead. Well, at least yeah. not the ones that disappeared at the end. But I think, yeah, there are some that probably will. But I think um you brought up something when we were talking about Infinity War mm. um, and how I felt that some of the punch of the end was robbed for me because I was like, because they, they killed so many characters and I was like, this isn't going right. to stick. But you brought up something, which is a reminder that despite the culture being what it is, these movies are for kids in a lot of ways. Yeah. And kids aren't necessarily thinking like that. Right. And so now... I, I hadn't thought about this far from home trailer thing, but now I'm sad for the kids who had their, yeah. the, the bubble burst. Yeah. And it's, and that's the thing is I'm sure some of the kids aren't sad. They say like, Oh, Spider-Man. But if anything, what if they're just confused? Yeah. Poor kids. Like they haven't seen Spider-Man come back and yet poor there he dumb, is confused kids, it's just a bunch of morons. <laughs> uh, but no, it's just, I, I it's something that, bother me i'm not often upset by marketing choices unless there's the idea of like oh they put too much in the trailer or something like that but the very fact of it uh the the choice the impatience of it i feel like they've done such a come out i think in this in the spring uh, no in the summer i think yeah i I guess it's just sony saying like this is our timetable for marketing our movie we can't and i want i kind of want to be like hey sony (laughs) There's a reason that we have them, that we have Spider-Man now. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, you guys have your chance you can, you've more not, than once. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really be trusted with the character. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it, it bummed me out and it frustrated me a little bit. And my students were the same way. They, they thought it was ridiculous, uh, hmm. that that happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, and it's one of those things like, do you think that if you don't hype it up enough, people won't see it? It's yeah. a Marvel movie. People liked Spider-Man Homecoming. If you w- like, hey, put the trailer as the end credit sequence at the, sequ- uh, the, the post credit sequence of uh, Endgame. Uh-huh. Do that. You'll hype people up. They'll be super excited about it. But no, just I don't know to put it out before Captain Marvel has even played. And Endgame yeah. is just, I think, such a. Yeah. 
I think, again, like you're saying, I am not personally not invested enough right. to be bothered by it, but I am bothered. I am sympathizing with the people who are bothered by yeah. it. it. Yeah. It seems like a, a short-sighted move. Very much um, so, yes. All right. Um, well, you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. You can email us at David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can find me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can find Tyler at Tyler Pretension. Uh, Tyler, what's it going on in More Than One Lesson? Uh, nothing really right now. Uh, there are a couple reviews posted. Um, I did, looking at my texts, I did want to congratulate my more than one lesson co-host and one of our writers uh, and contributors, Josh Long. Uh, he is a new father today of uh, twin boys. So congratulations. Are they bouncing? Uh, I can't speak to that. Okay. <laughs> um, well, congrats to, to Josh Long. Indeed. That's great. Um, there, well, there is stuff going on at BattleshipRetention.com. I used to do this more often. I need to go back to doing... Indeed. Here's what's on the site. So uh, Jim did his in his monthly Crossing the Streams column where he tells you where to find uh, great movies and TV shows that are streaming. Um, Jim is also in his I Do Movies Badly podcast working through some Terrence Malick films, and he discussed... Yeah. He discussed... He discussed Badlands. And um, I believe uh, and next month, I think I'm going to be on his show, and we'll be talking about Harold Lloyd. Oh, cool. Um, Alex, the aforementioned Alex uh, of the trailer project, mm-hmm. reviewed The Heiresses. Uh, the VP nominations are up. I reviewed, oh, I posted a review of Girl, the Belgian movie, because mm-hmm. I saw it like two months ago, wrote my review and like scheduled it because this was supposed to be the week that it came out on Netflix. Apparently, Netflix has pushed it a couple months. Interesting. So my, but I'm just going to, my review's up. It's on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it. Um, Do you have uh, any. Do you have any theories as to why they pushed it? Controversy stuff? Controversy stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I definitely think so. Okay. Um, yeah, and it, you don't need to see it. It's not very good. Um, I also reviewed a movie called uh, Don't Come Back from the Moon, which is pretty good. Alex, again, I'm telling you, Alex is one of our major contributors. Yeah. His Criterion Prediction column, you wrote about uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Sabotage. <coughs> I reviewed Louis R. Foster's, Foster's 1949 Western El Paso, which I discussed on the movie journal mm-hmm. and uh lincoln over to what the hell are you watching talked about et with his guest on a podcast on his podcast and feel free to check out my review of glass which i posted way before the movie came out yeah but well they it's lifted, out this weekend yeah now. they lifted the embargo yeah and uh, all the reviews skittered out into the daylight <laughs> um are you suggesting that we're just a bunch of cockroaches <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so uh so that's that thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 